All right, so we're back with Dr. Dua. Dr. Dua, thanks for being with us. And we want to talk on this segment about the future of healthcare in America. It's a topic we touched upon earlier, and um, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about it. I have a lot of thoughts. Pat has a lot of thoughts. And the country has a lot of mm-hmm. thoughts on the future of healthcare, and not only the future, but you know, present day, how that looks like. So it's tough to ask a general question about what you think about uh, the future of healthcare, but what do you think of the current state of the healthcare system in the United States? Well, I think currently it's a mess, right? And I think everyone agrees with me. We spend a fortune. We don't have outcomes that look like we spend a fortune. Um, you know, the, the president lost the house, right? Which yeah. mm-hmm. I think is tells you a lot. Um, I think we have an aging population that is tech savvy, and we we don't give them enough credit, right? They can use tech mm-hmm. to get health. And healthcare. I think we have kids who have newer conditions that are being neglected: anxiety, depression, um, you know, use of marijuana. Right? These things need to be talked about. They need to be solved. Um, they need to be solved in environments where people feel like they have time to speak, they have the ability to speak, you know, um, and that their concerns are being met. Right? In a ten-minute office visit, you cannot possibly have a conversation with a doctor around your mental health or your missing uh, preventive screens Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. Theoretically, that doctor who's spending 10 minutes Mm -hmm. is already behind and is trying to catch up and is basically saying, take the Z-Pack, go, right? Make another appointment and we'll solve the rest of this. Um, So I think it's very broken. I think everybody agrees with that. And I think um, there are ways to solve it, right? Uh, in this company, and, and again, we're a small, tiny little part of what is being done to solve, you know, what is probably a crisis in healthcare. In this company, we solve problems by thinking like patients, right? So when we are, you know, making a, a an internal decision, we think about what would be good for the safety of the patient, right? Um, and when I think you think that way, you make decisions that may not be the best for the engineers. They may not be even the best for the, the you know, uh, investors or, or the advisory board or whatever, but they work out for the patients. And mm. when you align with the patients, when you have a true cause, um, I think you solve a lot of problems much faster. Mm-hmm. Right now, doctors in certain parts of the United States are being incentivized to see more patients. And this is ludicrous, right? Doctors should never be incentivized to do anything but offer great care. Right. Um, I have doctors ask me all the time, will you pay me if I see more patients? And I think, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. You know, or I had a doctor the other day, let me carry antibiotics and I'll split the cost with you. Right? What are you, where did you learn this? You know, this is not care. This is business, right? This yeah. is, you're not CVS, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think... It's about doing what's right for the patients and letting the solutions fall from there. Yeah, I was thinking about like the kind of divide between the public and the private mm-hmm. sectors and like, you know, traditionally it's all sort of been mm-hmm. money from the public sector mm-hmm. and like taxpayers mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And now it's like with technology, uh, there's a lot of – there's an influx of capital from the private side. Mm-hmm. Do you think it just has to continue that way and that's kind for of now, more so yes. the – higher level For now, solution? yes. I think, yeah. you know, I think things are changing though. I'll say that – Last year, Medicare released a 
provision that doctors could bill for reviewing monitoring, reviewing records of, for example, if a patient was checking her blood pressure and a doctor reviewed it, the doctor could get paid for reviewing that blood pressure mm -hmm. uh, reading uh, mm -hmm. documentation. That's pretty impressive for Medicare, right? Um, this year, they relieved this re uh, requirement that patients are bedbound to get a house call. That's a big deal. That mm -hmm. means any senior can get a house call mm -hmm. with their Medicare. And we, you know, we take care of those people. So for us, that means we're able to deliver access to the people who are vulnerable, right? Yeah. The, the folks who are forced to navigate the city or have five doctors or take too many medications or, you know, have stairs in their house and mm -hmm. they're falling, right? We are able to solve some of those problems for those, those sorts of uh, patients. And so, but on the flip side, like, how does that work with the insurance companies? Like, uh, do they like end up, I mean, people end up having higher deductibles, right? Or is this not always, not, is it, it? it depends. And so... Um, some people have high deductibles. Even then, we want we have a cost-effective option for them, mm -hmm. right? We mm -hmm. we take ninety nine dollars from them up front in California, yeah. and and this is important because if they were to go to urgent care or ER, it'd be hundreds of dollars, right? right? Um, but if they have if they need a physical, you know, it's a federal law that a physical once a year is zero dollars. It's for you for free. Mm. Most insurances will give you your mammogram, will give you your pap, will give you, you know, a basic number of labs to screen you with so you can do some diagnostic measures and make sure that you're getting some standard of care, right? Um, and even then, if we if we have to send a patient with no insurance to a lab, then we have cash prices in place with that lab, so they're not spending a fortune. Mm -hmm. We've really thought through how to deliver access to almost anyone we can, to almost anyone we can. Dr. Du, I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation that just kind of came to my mind. And assuming that President Trump is not the president, you get a call from the president of the United States saying, I need your help to advise me on healthcare policy mm -hmm. moving forward. And mm -hmm. let's assume you take the job. Okay? <laughs> That's uh, a so big assumption. Yeah, we're, we're assuming <laughs> that you take the job. Um, and, he, and he or she, as president, asks mm -hmm. you, you know, what is your plan? How, do you, how would you advise us to fix this mess that we're in? Yeah. You know, what is the plan? You know, what's the grand plan? But also, what's step one of that plan? Yeah. That's, you know what, that's a phenomenal question. I just wanted to put, put you in the this. mindset there. You I, have put me on the yeah, spot. Yeah. But, but step one, I think, is to, so right now we have a serious doctor shortage, first. Second, we're not using tech to solve problems, mm -hmm. right? We're using humans to solve problems. And tech is significantly more efficient sustainable. and sustainable, cheaper, right, when it's rolled yep. out. So I would say the first step is to see where we can implement technological measures to deliver access. Some mm -hmm. people would say, well, Renee, is that telemedicine? I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I do know that if you go to a place, if you go to a farming town where, you know, a woman might wait 90 days to get a mammogram and you can deliver, you know, you can route and dispatch a truck with the technology mm -hmm. to do mammograms in a community of farming, you know, farmers. The and flyover states. Which apparently, you know, they're called. I don't have the guts to use those terms. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I say that to you because 
we're missing all those people. Ultimately, those people will go to the ER for their care, right? So the first step I would say is, what can we do to divert people from the emergency room for non-emergent issues? Mm -hmm. I would say that would be step one. And I think, truthfully, you can use technology to do that. Mm -hmm. And why are people, why why are we not? I don't know. I don't have a great answer for you. I think, you know, I think hospitals have this very confusing problem. On one hand, they make money from those people who go into the ER and who stay. And they'll, they they can't deny it. On the other hand, they tell you, well, don't come to the ER and don't stay, right? And it's like, well, who are you in bed with, you know? Yeah. So I think hospitals have a huge problem right now. I think there's a ton of administration over hospitals, right? There are more administrators than there are doctors. And administrators are making significantly – they are not mm-hmm. – <laughs> doctors are not the people in the healthcare system making money. That is a known fact, right? right. It's administrators that are making money. Why? Why are we creating more bureaucracy mm-hmm. when we should be spending money to make more doctors, right? right? Or make more staff that can see patients at the very least, you know? Um, I think one of the biggest areas of concern from what I hear just in any industry really, but especially this industry is kind of like, you know, how quickly technology is advancing and like the, the kind of the advancements that are kind of people see like, for example, like robots and mm-hmm. things like that, that people get, you know, are scared, like it's going to take their jobs right, away. Right. Um, how do you see that dynamic playing out with technology? I, I mean, I think us, doc, you know, we say this here at Heal, right? We're not building Sears. We're building Amazon, right? It is important for doctors to understand what they provide as a human element and an oversight to what technology should solve, yeah. right? The way Heal thinks about a patient we gather information before we even get there. And we want that doctor to have at her fingertips all about her patient. What medications does she take? What are her vitals? Mm-hmm. You know, what labs did she have done? Did she have her physical already? If she hasn't, let's make sure we get that scheduled. Did she get her mammogram? If not, mm-hmm. let's get it done, right? So we use tech to learn all about people so that when we get there, we are very focused on the issues at hand. We're solving multiple problems, closing, we call this in medicine, closing care gaps, and then making sure that person has continuity if needed so that they continue to get the quality of care that they need. That's how we think about a patient. The the human, the physician, the medical team, because there's a medical assistant involved as well, who's, you know, a phenomenal right hand to this doctor, they're there for oversight of what tech should provide them. And that's, I think, how you can look at mm-hmm. situations for every patient, right? Mm-hmm. It should be that, you know, some of the most incredibly interesting medicine uh, and medical devices are coming out of Israel, right? And I see all these phenomenal things sticking a piece of tape to the skin and getting, you know, a blood sugar check or, mm-hmm. or results from something. You know, this kind of um, thought process is so critical to America's has one problem the whole world right in India there are people living in villages who Mm -hmm. never see a doctor Mm -hmm. you know what are we going to do to help them there's a lot of ground to cover still so I I think about that every hour how much there is to do Mm -hmm. yeah well uh I mean that's been great you know I mean just like clearly there's a lot going on and a lot uh, we need to be focusing on mm-hmm. collectively as mm-hmm. a human race yes. uh, when it comes to healthcare Agreed. and the future of so thanks for sharing your thoughts on you that bet. Thank um, you.